The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. And you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. However you're listening, and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program. And you can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at all Andy Alfred. Oh, ho, 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 yes, my friends. Yes. What a weekend. In a span of a week, we go from 0 and 3 to 3 and 0, baby. Love it. The Lions get the job done against Washington on Sunday. It was fantastic to see. Notre Dame gets a huge win and a bounce back against Cal. I enjoyed every minute of the thumping the University of Toledo took against Ohio State. Michigan being Michigan, of course. They get ready for the Big Ten slate. Hockey is back, my friends. The Jackets today, golf outing. Tomorrow, media day. Wednesday, camps. Yes, NHL hockey is officially back, and the Huntington Center Ice is going in too, so walleye hockey is not that far away. The President's Cup is this weekend. We'll talk about some golf. But before we get into any of that, I have to say a couple things, and I have to eat some chicken. I mean, I mean, you have to eat some crow. After what we witnessed in Wood County on Saturday evening as our Bowling Green State University Falcons on the 100th homecoming made it a homecoming that was absolutely unforgettable as BG beats Marshall in overtime. We'll break it all down tonight because it's Beginning to look like fall outside. There's no falling from grace tonight on All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to shut out. Dumbino. Hip to a home run. Go. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down. Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me, and that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Pocket Cast, Leaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time, your effort to listen to what is happening in the sports world, as well as what is happening in my everyday life. You can be a part of our podcast, as always, by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. And welcome into this show tonight on this, the 20th day of September 
2022. A lot to get into, a lot to break down tonight on this edition of the program. We're going to talk a little bit about the President's Cup in the in the golf world, of course, and we'll recap the Portland Open for the LPGA players. Uh, Brooks not playing this upcoming weekend in the Arkansas Classic, but we will talk about the Arkansas the Arkansas Classic, the Walmart Classic that's happening down there in Arkansas. Also, the ice is being set at the Huntington Center. The players are now getting ready in Columbus. They had the golf outing today. We'll talk a little bit about that as well as what we look forward to and the latest news and notes around the National Hockey League. Also, big series tonight for the Guardians. They will be a huge three-game series with the White Sox tonight. We'll break down their big five-game series against the Twins that took place, as well as the Tigers coming off their series split with the White Sox, as well as they're playing Baltimore, and the Reds are at home against Boston tonight as well. Aaron Judge chasing home runs tonight, uh, number 60 and 61, trying to catch Roger Maris. We'll see how that shakes out, and so much more on the program Tonight, first and foremost, let's get into it. Let's dive into some college football. Let's hit the gridiron first and foremost. And let's talk about what we witnessed down in Wood County this past Saturday. You know, there is some games and there's some moments that makes you wonder, is this for real? Could it be for real? And we witnessed it, I believe, on Saturday. Bowling Green being down 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Now, if you're saying to yourself this, and this is me, I was listening to the game with Todd Walker and Gibby and my good friend Kevin Peel. Doing the game, they're 14 nothing. At one point, actually, it was 21 nothing. I mean, 14 nothing after the first period. And I'm saying to myself, can we just get, we, I know we're going to get beat. I knew we were going to get beat. I didn't want us to get absolutely throttled in this game. I didn't want to get destroyed. But it was something about this team, I think, finally clicked in the second half. I mean, it, to be honest with you, halfway through the second quarter, I think it finally clicked. And it just found a way. It just honestly found a way. But Marshall did start the scoring off as Corey Cambage getting a 51-yard pass from Harry, Henry Kobe, making it 7-0. And then Caleb McKellen, 78-yard pass, makes it 14-0. But then Matt McDonald and the offense went to work. Hilaire, a 25-yard pass from McDonald. It's 14-7. And then Kalal Lombeg with a 5-yard run makes it 21-7. And I was saying to myself, at 21-7, I said, okay, you know, we could make a comeback, but it, I, I didn't have that much full faith. And, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I didn't have full faith. I'm I'm admitting it to right now. I, I said to myself, this game could be a runaway. It's going to be a runaway soon enough, as soon as Marshall started getting their footing. But Bowling Green found a way to get it done. 
Olaire getting a 27-yard pass from Matt McDonald, making it 21-14 at the 6-10 mark. And then BG stops, a great defensive stop. Capitalizes with an offensive play by Karoon, getting a 30-yard pass from McDonald. And at the half, it was 21-21. Now, when I saw it at 21-21, I, I, I was watching the game, found it on the NFL Network. And that, by the way, that we got an Andy rant about that later tonight. About that. We had no scoring in the play in the third quarter. Back and forth action. Back and forth. Back and forth. Back and forth. A lot of three and outs. No capitalization. Bowling Green finds a way in the fourth quarter to take the lead. Makes it 28-21. At that point in the game, I said to myself, okay. And it was like early on in the fourth quarter. I said to myself, okay, we need our defense to step up. It needs to shut down. We need some big plays. They got a few good plays. But Marshall then capitalizes and scores a touchdown with five minutes and 43 seconds to go. And I was saying to myself, oh, no, here we go again. Is this going to be a repeat performance of what we witnessed last week? As we go to overtime. BG the longest over second longest overtime in FBS history. The defense stood its ground and only gave Marshall three points. Now, Bowling Green gets the football back after the field goal. Two plays in. A long run. Gets him to about the two-yard line. But in all reality, it looked like he beat the pylon and scored it in for a touchdown. Bedlam ensued. People were, the players were running on the field, you know, and they, they rechecked it. And then there was a fight that took on the field. Big fight, too. And... Players, there was no penalties called either way. It was a lot of momentum, and I, I got to give the officials credit on that. They left the game to the players, and I was very, very happy with that. I was very, very happy with that. And then with Terion Kenneth, excuse me, Terion Keith getting the slant pass from McDonald and finding the hole and putting it in. And giving Bowling Green their first victory of the season against the Marshall Thundering Herd, who last week, not this past week, not this, not this week, last week, two weeks ago, we'll say now, beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Gives Marshall their first loss of the season. And Bedlam ensued at the Doy. The students rushed the field. The, student, the fans were cheering. It was a great moment to cap off the 100-year anniversary, the 100-year homecoming. Bowling Green finds a way, gets the job done with a 34-31 win in overtime against the Marshall Thundering Herd. Kobe from Marshall was 23 for 34 for 338 yards, two TDs, one interception, QBR rating of 36.7. Kayborn, 22 for 
24 carries, 157 yards, two TDs in the game. Receiving-wise, Cambridge, seven catches, 100 yards, one TD. McKellen, two catches, 92 yards, one TD. For Matt McDonald, 27 for 45 for 282, four TDs. QBR rating a 70.1. I'll take that. Wimbley, five carries, 35 yards, leading rush, one of the leading rushers. McDonald ran the football eight times for 24 yards. He took a couple good pops, too. He took a couple good pops. He's probably peeing blood out of that because he took a couple good kidney shots out of the whole situation. Olaire, four catches, 79 yards, one TD. Keith, eight catches, 72 yards, one TD. Kroom, four catches, 50 yards, one TD in the game. Team stats look like this. Bowling Green had 19 first downs to Marshall's 23rd. On third down, Bowling Green was 7 for 18. Marshall was 7 for 15. On fourth down efficiency, Marshall was 0 for 1, so they did not convert of attempt. Bowling Green was a perfect 2 for 2. Bowling Green had 377 total yards of offense, 300 through the air, 77 on the ground. Marshall had 547 yards, 357 through the air, 191 on the ground, four penalties, 35 yards for Marshall, four penalties, 25 yards for Bowling Green. The key was the turnovers. Marshall was making the turnovers, two fumbles and one interception. And that was what the driving force of the game was. The possession arrow went to Bowling Green at 31 minutes and 48 seconds to Marshall's 28 minutes and 12 seconds. Bowling Green gets their first win. They're now 1-2. Marshall falls to 2-1 in play. So, it's good to see. It really is good to see. Uh, we have the comments from Scott Leffler. Post game for the Marshall win. We'll play it for you right here on All Andy Alford on this successful. It's I.E. Crow. Here's the coach, Scott Leffler. You guys are one of the most resilient groups I've ever been around. Um, what we had to do to go out in UCLA, didn't play well on offense. Um, come home, didn't play well in the first half, then we showed what we can do. And uh, we played a better football team here tonight, plain and simple. This is a better football team. They were stronger, they were bigger, they were faster. And uh, our kids found a way uh, to execute, hang in there. We said the game plan was going to be this. We needed to bring our defense. And it didn't start out that way. It started out ugly. And uh, we said offensively, we just need to hang in there. They literally, this defense beat the living dog out of Notre Dame last week. We need to hang in there, and we're going to take our shots, and we're going to keep taking shots. We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to take a shot on, on, on uh, fourth and one. We called that on Tuesday that that was going to be a walk-in, and it was. I thought special teams-wise, uh, we were really solid. But uh, that was a great team win, um, and it just shows you don't listen to the noise. Don't worry about what emblem you have on your helmet. Uh, anyone in college football can win. Everyone was pissed off that we lost to EKU. I was too. But EKU is a good football team. Every team that we play, um, you're going to have a chance to win or lose a game, plain and simple. That's college football right now, unless you're Ohio State, Michigan, or those elites. Um, but uh, really proud of our kids, really happy. We played our hearts out. 
and uh, we need to get healthy. Um, we need to get Jakari back, which I think we are going to have a heck of an opportunity to. And uh, we need to get healthy. We need to get our running backs back. Uh, we need to get Ferg back. And we need to get Austin Osborne. Those are really key pieces. I thought the quarterback tonight played sensational. Um, we were playing a really, really, really good defense. And uh, I thought the O-line played exceptional. I mean, we gave them just enough time. And uh, our skill guys, just like I've said from the beginning, our skill guys are real. And uh, the corners that we played tonight are NFL corners. And uh, they did some really nice things. I thought our defense uh, hung in there and uh, played tremendous. And uh, we found a way to win. Plain and simple, that's, that was great for our kids. They found a way to win. But there's some tenacious, no quit in this team, and uh, I'm really proud of them. Yeah, the results certainly showed this team would not rattle at all from the get-go. Even with that being said, was the first or second drive when Marshall got the three and out, then they scored the two touchdowns. Were they kind of jumping out of their skates there, or did they just get the fast start? They got a fast start, and they are, I mean, they are a fast, physical team. This team's going to win a lot of games, that Marshall team. I wouldn't be shocked if they run the table, to be quite honest with you. When I watched their film, I thought this was the best team up to date that we played. And uh, just like I said, there was no coincidence that they beat Notre Dame. I mean, they, they put it to them on both sides of the ball and special teams. And I thought we had a great game plan. We did. We exposed uh, exactly what they they, we had to do to win the game, and uh, you know our players made plays, plain and simple. I'm really happy for them. Their pass rush was good for the first couple drives, but then were you happy with the adjustments your offensive line made because it just seemed like they were not able to get to Matt at all with any sort of consistency? After? Yeah, we wanted to uh, run the ball, believe it or not, as much as we could east and west to try to tire them down. Um, they're an elite front. I mean, they are great and I've been uh, uh, not probably the funnest guy to be around with our offensive line I've been tough on them and they've responded like no other we gave them the game ball and they deserve it and uh, it's about time around here that we start talking good about our offensive line and that starts with me and they deserve it they played their asses off and to the defensive line certainly created some pressure especially as you got to that second seem like they were not too worried about their big offensive line or their solid running backs or QB they could throw. They weren't fake. Yeah, the D-line played exceptional. That's We started when we, we started the rebuild of this program. Um, you know, I still have some old school values. you gotta, you got to build the defensive front, and we did that. And uh, we knew the offensive line would be behind, and they were. But they're, uh, they're a good group now. We get Jakari back and get some depth going in there. Um, we're going to have a chance, you know. We will. But, again, it doesn't matter. Like, every single week, this MAC thing is going to be wild. It's going to be. And uh, I said it to our guys. I go, the biggest lesson you could ever learn is this team, Mar this Marshall organization, went in and beat the living dog out of Notre Dame. And they might not have shown up. And you got to show up. And... Uh, so as cool as this win was, as happy as I am for our players, we're going to take a business approach to it. We're going to enjoy it for 24, well, 12 hours or whenever the hell we got to be back to watch the tape and uh, off to improving our team. Matt's ability to run 
well see him throw them off in a big way because he was throwing ball nicely today, but he was also scrambling. Yeah, he played uh, played like senior quarterback, and uh, you know everyone gave him a hard time, and uh, I've seen it. I watched him do it at Boston College when he was protected. Uh, he's grown up. We got a good quarterback, so everyone else, you know, that criticizing him and all that, he went through hell in terms of um, these last two years. We had no business at all. We couldn't. We couldn't block. We couldn't. We couldn't uh, run the ball. We couldn't run routes. And uh, he's hung in there and he's overcome. So, but uh, just like anything else, there's some things that we're going to work on for him to improve on. But he's a good player and. Uh, Really happy for our entire team. And of course, the mission's not done. But is this the result? The entire guys. This is how you do it. The week of practice was solid. It was awesome. It was awesome. It's the best our offensive line has practiced in a week. I thought our defense really did well. It was a business approach. Our kids believe. Um, they were as let down as anyone else. We all were about letting one slip through the cracks. But. Uh, our kids got great attitudes. They're tenacious as hell. And, uh, you know, they showed it tonight. Coach, it seems like the past year and a half is a lot of psychology, and rightly so, because you had like, the youngest team with FBS last year. But tonight it just seemed like football. It's hard hitting football. Do you think we'll start seeing more of that? Like, tonight it was just a fun game to watch, and just uh, they just went out there to hit and play. Just like I said, I, I think it's all mindset. Um, I think uh, we're going to watch the tape. We need to be mature and go, all right, there were some great things we did. There were some things that we need to improve. And off to Mississippi State. And then uh, um, after that, we need to have the most focused, energetic, lay it on the line every week. It's a Super Bowl every week starting uh, – right after that Mississippi State game. Every week, it's got to be our uh, our Super Bowl. How much of the execution in the OT period came from last week? You guys going through that gauntlet of seven overtimes. Did that play any factor in how you guys kind of prepared or put forth this OT and how well your defense executed getting that stop? I don't think so. Um, I thought what we learned from last week was uh, – you know, just like I said, I've never been a part of a football game. And I was talking to their head coach before the game. I've never been a part of a game where you win the turnover battle, win the explosion battle, block a punt, and you lose the game. And um, I think our team learned uh, from last week that um, all those little things matter, jumping off sides on, on a two-minute drill twice, um, snapping the ball over our head, um, missing a field goal. Everything matters. And... Um, those are the habits that you create during the week, and uh, hopefully we can uh, keep getting better. And, and you mentioned obviously our game. Take a little time to enjoy, but obviously you guys can get back to work. But obviously winning is one thing, but winning in this type of fashion, you guys coming all the way back and then pulling it out, finishing. How how special is that for, for you guys to win in this fashion tonight? Well, the kids didn't listen to the noise, and that's what I'm happy with. And I, I and I said it the same thing. I go as much bullcrap as we heard for the last two weeks and all this other stuff. Now people are going to pat you on the back and tell you how great you are, and we're not going to listen to it. We're going to take a business approach. And uh, to be quite honest with you, no one else matters but our kids and our coaches and, and, the, and our administration and our people within the building. So 
all the noise and stuff that you guys got to do, I get it. Um, but I'm hoping that, uh, well, I know our kids aren't listening to it. That last play, was that a design pass, or did Matt kind of improvise a little bit? No, we uh, came off of action. Um, it was really similar to the uh, home run play that we hit to Kroom. They were in the same defense, except they didn't bust the coverage like they did. Uh, Matt got to his second read in the flat. The third read was covered. Um, he had two major hit pointers. We were going to run a sprint out pass, and he goes, Scott, I can't, I can't move. And uh, he's a tough son of a gun. And uh, the quarterbacks that I've been a part of, um, they're tenacious and they're tough. And uh, he showed that tonight. What about the play before that 24-yard run? That was a typical Payshon, uh, Wimberley fashion. Uh, we hand the ball off to Payshon. We fake the reverse. Um, he gets free, and it couldn't happen to a better kid. I mean, we're down to, we're down to our. I mean, our running back room was as thick as thieves, um, and it and it dissipated really quick in terms of you lost Terry on, you lost JJ, and. Uh, Someone had to step up, and those kids are stepping up, and we're thin, and that's that's hard. You know, you, it's hard to practice. It's hard to do a lot of things. And hey, Sean Wimberly, man, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Any more questions, for Coach? I think this guy right here, though, he played his tail off. I'm proud of you, Matt. That was tough as hey, all that stuff that we talk about toughness and being a dude. That was awesome, man. I'm proud of you. Love you, man. So you just heard Scott Leffler and the celebratory mood. BG, big win. They go to one and two now with the big win against Marshall. They have a tough test now in front of us, and that is Mississippi State. Mississippi State! Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports is Mississippi State Bulldogs. I like hitting the cowbell. Come on. It's a tough road for Bowling Green. I, I, I'll give you that, but not. Let me just say this. Are you happy that we're one and two? To be honest with you, we should be at least two. I think two and one would be okay. One and two were fine. I'd rather be one and two than zero and three because the, the narrative would be a whole lot different right now on this program if we were zero and three. I told you guys this on Fal on the Falcon Friday show on Friday. The writing's on the wall for Scott Leffler. Well, he just took the sponge and wiped it cleaned. The paint is still there. I mean, there's still some residual paint that's on the wall. But it's not as promising as what it was after the EKU lose loss. I'm just saying. And I understand, you heard Scott saying the thing, you know, he's hearing the talk and he's hearing the noise from, from, from the fans and the media and, and his players aren't listening to it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that he knows that there is people talking out there. I'll give him that. But at the same time, too, I'm proud that his guys are not listening to what we're saying. 
and actually going out there and performing well for this university and for themselves and for the staff. So, you know, I'll, I'll keep harping on it, you know, because I know you, the fans, are harping on it. But I, I, I told you I'm giving Leffler a chance this season, and right now he's he's at my expectation for right now. He really is. And how good this offense ran, and I gotta give I I totally agree with Scott. I I think that O line really stepped up to the plate in the second half of that game, and really helped out, and the, the entire game they really helped out Matt McDonald. The defense struggled in the first quarter. We thought, oh no, here we go again. They're gonna run it down our throats. It was not the case. Not the case at all. Very, very happy of how this turns out. Bowling Green, like I said, has Mississippi State on Saturday. Noon kick on the SEC Network. We'll dive into all that. We'll dive into BG's game on the Falcon Friday edition of the program this upcoming Friday, which is the 23rd of September, which is Friday night, the first Friday of fall. You're listening to all Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Leaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's dive into another beatdown, of course. Let's talk about Ohio State, folks. A huge win for the Buckeyes as they welcomed in the University of Toledo. And boy, oh boy, C.J. Stroud, five touchdown passes in the game. As they thumped, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it with every bit of my soul, ladies and gentlemen. I enjoyed every minute of this game on Saturday. Now, my father, who is a Rocket fan and an Ohio State fan, had a choice to make in this game. He couldn't root for either one. He rooted. He split down the middle, so he didn't have any rooting interest. I was rooting for Ohio State all the way through. I even have a, a shirt. I had an Ohio State shirt on, and you know me—I don't wear Ohio State shirts that often. I don't wear them. I don't like wearing Ohio State stuff. Uh, I'm not that big of a homer when it comes to Ohio State, but when they were playing Toledo, I had—I told myself I had to wear. Some swag to give it to the, but I, I will give I I will give Toledo a just due. I am very very impressed that they stood with them for the first for the first half of the game, for the first quarter of the game. My apologies. You know they they tied the game early on. It was I felt like it was going to be somewhat of a shootout, but then. You know, the secondary and the pass defense was absolutely atrocious for the University of Toledo. And I hope that other teams see that and just use it. Use it to their ability to attack this team. As Toledo falls to Ohio State 77-21 to in the game. And, and, and Daquan Finn was the, the key factor in this whole game. Finding Delusco for for the 50-yard pass in the first quarter, 7-7, and then running it in himself for 23 yards in the second quarter, making it 28-14. to But like I said, it was all, all Ohio State. Travion Henderson, just Marvin Harrison Jr., it, it was just 
a rout. It was a rout. 77-21. Finn, 10 for 19 for 153 yards. Two TDs, one interceptions. QBR a 97.9. That's not bad. Not bad at all. He also led in rushing. Seven carries for 70 yards, one TD. Boone, eight carries, 41 yards, no TDs. Scozo, one catch, 50 yards, one TD. Newton, two catches, 42 yards, one TD for that. For Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, 22 for 27. 367 yards, five TDs. QBR rating, 99.4. Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, those are Heisman numbers. McCord came in in relief. He was 5 for 7 for 115 yards, 1 TD. QBR rating, 98.4. Hayden, 17 carries for 108 yards, 1 TD. Williams, 10 carries, 77 yards, 1 TD. Caffrey, 4 carries, should be 6 carries, 57 yards, 1 TD. Henderson, 4 carries, 19 yards, 1 TD. In Jigba, 7 catches, 116 yards, 1 TD. Ballard, 4 catches, 113 yards, 1 TD. Marvin Harrison Jr., 6 catches, 102 yards, 2 TDs. Fleming, 3 catches, 23 yards, 2 TDs. Here's where the team stats just blow your mind. Get ready for this. Toledo had 13 first downs. They were 4 for 13 in fourth down, 1 for 2 on fourth down. Ohio State, 36 first downs. 11 for 13 in third down, perfect one for one on fourth down. They had 763 total yards of offense against the University of Toledo. Oh my goodness. 482 through the air, 281 on the ground. Toledo only had 370 yards of total offense. 183 through the air, 124 on the ground. Ohio State only had one penalty for a Offsides, five yards. Toledo, four penalties, 23 yards. A fumble and a turnover. No turnovers at all for the Buckeyes. Buckeyes led in time of possession, 35 minutes, 26 seconds to Toledo's 24 minutes and 34 seconds. Ohio State improves to 3 0. Toledo, their first loss. They're now 2 and 1. So there's that for you guys. Of course, Michigan routing UConn. 59 to nothing. I'm not going to really dig into it, but we do know now. We do know now who the starting quarterback is for Michigan. It's going to be McCarthy. 15 for 18, 214 yards, no TDs, no interceptions. We know that McCarthy's the guy. So that be that as it may. Notre Dame, a big win as well. Huge win. Huge win. As they beat Cal 24-17, getting their first win and giving Marcus Freeman his first win as the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It didn't look that way. It really didn't look that way. I mean, if they didn't rally in the fourth quarter in this game, then I would have said, said to you guys, hey, Notre Dame's 0-3. Notre Dame's 1-2. I'll take it as a win. Definitely take it as an absolute win. So, there's that for you guys. Looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. And now it's time also to recap 
rest of the other scores from around college football in week three of the college football spectrum. It's now time to take a look at the games from this past week. Week three of the college football spectrum right here on All Andy Alford. And we take a look at top 25 games first from week three in college football. With the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs shellacking the Gamecocks of South Carolina 48 to nothing. Six ranked Oklahoma beating down on Nebraska 49 to 14. Kentucky a big 31 to nothing win over Youngstown State. 17th ranked Baylor a big 42 to 7 win over Texas State. As it was the Oregon Ducks hosting the BYU Cougars. Oregon 25th ranked BYU 12th ranked Oregon. Beats the Cougars 41-20, knocking the Cougars down in this recent AP poll. 20th ranked Ole Miss shellacks the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets 42-0. Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, Alabama. They continue their rolling over University of Louisiana Monroe 63-7. Wake Forest, 19th ranked in the country, survives the win over Liberty 37-36. It was Arkansas Pine Bluff falling to Oklahoma State 63-7. Tenth-ranked Arkansas, a big 38-27 win over Missouri State. Akron falls to 16th-ranked Tennessee 63-6. They got shellacked on Rocky Top. 16th-ranked North Carolina State, a big 27-14 win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. As it was then 18th-ranked Florida, beating South Florida just barely 31-28. 23rd ranked Pitt beats the Western Michigan Broncos 34-13. 5th ranked Clemson with Dabo Sweeney. Dabo getting a 48-20 win over Louisiana Tech. 21st ranked Texas a big 41-20 win over the University of Texas of San Antonio. The Aggies of Texas A&M rally back after the loss to Appalachia State with a big 17-9 win over the Miami Hurricanes as Texas A&M was 24th ranked, Miami 13th ranked, 14th ranked Utah beating up on San Diego State 35-7, and 7th ranked USC beating up on the Fresno State Bulldogs 45-17. We take a look at the Big Ten scores from around this past weekend on Week 3. It was Southern Illinois beating Northwestern 31-24. Unbelievable. Absolutely Unbelievable. Syracuse, a 32-29 win over Purdue. Indiana, a 33-30 win over Western Kentucky in overtime. Rutgers, a 16-14 win over Temple. Minnesota, a 49-7 win over Colorado. New Mexico State falls to Wisconsin, 66-7. It was Nevada beating, losing to Iowa, 27-0. And Maryland, a 34-27 win over SMU. Washington, the Huskies of Washington, Beat 11th ranked Michigan State at Washington 39 to 28, but the upset of the day was 22nd ranked Penn State shellac beat up War Eagle 41 to 12, and setting their promise and their precedence in the Big Ten. And then we look at the Mid American Conference games. Of course, the Cincinnati Bearcats a 38 17 over the. Miami Redhawks, Kent State, a 63-10 win over Long Island University. Coastal Carolina beats up on Buffalo, 38-26. It was Central Michigan putting a shutout over Bucknell, 41-0. Iowa State beats up on Ohio, 43-10. Ball State shuts down 
Murray State 31 to nothing. Vanderbilt beats Northern Illinois 38 to 28. And Eastern Michigan gives Arizona State the loss 30 to 21. And Herm Edwards was fired in the end zone as he was walking off the field against the loss at Eastern Michigan. So that's something right there. Of course, Toledo falls to third-ranked Ohio State 77-21, and our Bowling Green State University Falcons in overtime beat Marshall 34-31. And that is week three of the college football spectrum right here on All Andy Alfred. As you are listening to All Andy Alfred tonight right here, on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Leaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. As now we've hit, and it's time to talk a little NFL football, folks. And let's dive right into it, of course. The Detroit Lions. The Lions, a huge victory yesterday as they were trying to bounce back after being 0-1 after losing to Philadelphia the week before. In at Ford Field, they played the new team out of Washington, D.C., the Washington Commanders. And, you know, for me, I thought it was a really good game. Jared Goff played really well. But the key was the defensive side of the ball. And Aiden Hutchinson... Absolutely had a breakout game in this one. Dedicating this game to a local kid who is in the hospital struggling. He dedicated his game on Sunday to this kid. And he had a breakout game. And the Lions beat up on the Commanders 36-27. to the Lions dominated the first half. They were up 22 to nothing at halftime. Made Washington come back. Washington was going to make it a serious ball game. They made it. They got it close. They got it close. At one point, it was 29-21 in the fourth into the fourth quarter, and then Amat St. Brown with 11-yard pass from Jared Goff, and he fell on his seat of his pants and got back up and scored the touchdown. Made it 36 to 21. Washington got close, but the final, of course, 36-27, Washington fall to the Detroit Lions, and the Lions getting a big win in this game as Jared Goff was 20 for 34 for 256 yards, four TDs, QBR rating of 53.8 in the game. Amat St. Brown, two carries, 68 yards, no TDs. DeAndre Swift, five carries, 56 yards, no TDs in the game. Uh, St. Brown had nine catches also for 116 yards, two TDs. Reynolds, three catches, 38 yards, one TD. DeAndre Swift, two catches, 31 yards, one TD as well. For the commanders in the game, it was Carson Wentz. He went 30 for 46 for 337 total yards, three TDs, one interception, QBR rating of 53.5. Gibson had 14 carries for 28 yards, one TD. Rents ran the ball two times for 23 yards. Samuel, seven catches, 78 yards, one TD. Dotson, four catches, 59 yards, one TD. Thomas, three catches, 37 yards, one TD as well. Uh, overall, the team stats look like this. The Commanders, 21 first downs to the Lions, 17. On third down, the Commanders were 7 for 15. 
and they were 1 for 2 on 4th down. The Lions 4 for 13 on 3rd down and 0 for 2 on 4th down efficiency. The Lions have 425 yards total offense, 234 through the air, 191 on the ground. For the Commanders, they had 396 total yards of offense, 308 through the air, 88 yards on the ground. Two penalties for 17 yards were the Commanders. One penalty, five yards for the Lions in the game. The Commanders turned the football over once as Carson Wentz threw an interception in the game. The, the Commanders led in time of possession 32 minutes and 3 seconds. Detroit had 27 minutes and 57 seconds in time of possession as the Lions. Improved now to 1-1, one one, get to 500 with a big 36-27 win over the Washington Commanders. And you thought, oh man, that was a great game. So then we get to the other team. We get to the other team on the other side of the lake, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Browns had an interesting opponent in the New York football Jets. Joe Flacco is the quarterback of the Jets. Flacco used to be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Joe Flacco, Flacco, a great quarterback in his own right, dominating in his fashion, Won a Super Bowl with Baltimore. The Browns have this game. The Browns most definitely had this game. They had this game in their hands. And they just fell apart. They fell apart in the end. At one point, they were up 30-17. to 17. In the game, missed the PAT, but they allowed the Jets to go back on offense. The Jets score a touchdown. Corey Davis is just wide open in the backfield for a 66-yard touchdown return. It's 30-24. to New York goes for the onside kick, and they capitalize. They get the onside kick. Great field position, and Garrett Wilson gets the pass from Joe Flacco for 15 yards into the back of the end zone. And in a minute and change, the probability for the Browns went from 99% to winning the game to losing the game in a matter of a few minutes. In 1 minute and 30 and 44 seconds. A minute 44. Unbelievable. Overall, looks like this. Flacco, 26 for 44 for 307 yards. 4 TDs. QVR, 65.1. Hall, 7 carries for 50 yards. Carter, 7 carries, 23 yards. Wilson, 8 catches for 102 yards, 2 TDs. Davis, 2 catches, 83 yards, 1 TD. That's all it was. Jacoby Brissett, a great outing. First, 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 like, first, first home outing. 22 for 27 for 229 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception. QBR rating of the 77. Nick Chubb. And a lot of people are blaming Nick Chubb for this loss. Because he should have just slid on the ground 
instead of going in for the touchdown. You go for the points on the board. You take the points you get on the board. I understand that the Jets, if you would have slid it, they would have ran the clock out. I understand that. But you got to put points on the board no matter what the situation is. So I agree with Nick Chubb. Run it in. Seven car- 17 carries for 87 yards, 3 TDs. Kareem Hunt, 13 carries, 58 yards. Amari, Mr. Cooper, 9 catches, 101 yards, receiving 1 TD. Njoku, 3 catches, 32 yards. Bryant, 3 catches, 45 yards. Chubb had 3 catches for 26 yards. Team stats look like this. The Browns had 29 first downs at the Jets, 20. On third down, the Browns were 8 for 12. The Jets were 8 for 15. The Jets were 1 for 1 on fourth down. Officially, the Browns did not attempt a fourth down play. The Browns had 405 total yards of offense, 221 through the air, 184 on the ground. The Jets, 402. 309 through the air, 93 on the ground. The Browns had 5 penalties for 38 yards. The Jets, 8 penalties, 57 yards. Both teams turned the ball over one time apiece. Time of possession went to the Browns at 32 minutes and 14 seconds. The Jets at 27 minutes and 46 seconds. And now I want to play something for you guys. Uh, It is Jim Donovan. Jim Donovan, the play-by-play guy of the Cleveland Browns, uh, had an interesting comment last night on the Browns' red zone. the players are not very respectful to the fans for them being booed off the field for the home opener. And the Browns have don't have any right to because they performed terrible. It's bad coaching. It was bad defense. It was bad everything. You can't let the Jets, the, pardon my language, I'm going to say it, you can't let the goddamn Jets back into the damn football game. You just can't. And now they prove that they're not J-E-T-S, sucks, sucks, sucks. You can't. And, I mean, it's, it's just plain and simple. You just can't let that happen. You just can't. So here is Jim Donovan. From the red zone, over his over what he said about what the Browns, the fans need to do. To Miles Garrett or any other players that felt um, that they were really harpooned by the fans because of the booing yesterday. All right, um, you're looking for a one-sided relationship always. Okay, you ask them to come to the game, and they come to the game. You ask them to fill that stadium, they fill the stadium, even through bad years. You ask them to be loud, and I can tell you, and I think Gerard can back me up, Tony's, you know, hermetically sealed in the press box. I couldn't hear myself think in there yesterday. It was loud. You ask them to buy their jerseys, and they do. You ask them to be active on social media to get everybody revved up to the game, and they break social media getting ready for a big game. You ask them to come to the stadium early. Saturday night, I'm driving down to do the Legends Dinner for Joe Thomas down at the stadium, and there were cars lined up at 5 o'clock on Saturday to get into the Muni lot for Sunday morning. 
When you ask them to do all of that, they get to do whatever they want, okay? It's a one-sided relationship when all you want are cheers. You know what? If you were a Broadway show, <laughs> after that performance yesterday, it would have been canceled today. <laughs> I'm Jim Donovan, and I support that act. You just heard Jim Donovan give his comments about what happened on Thursday, on, excuse me, on Sunday. And I have to agree with him. I really have to agree with him. This this game on Sunday will go down as one of the worst losses, I think, in the new Browns history. In the new Browns history. Plain and simple. This is just absolutely, it, it was absolutely horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. And to see this team just absolutely, pardon my language, just shit the bed. Honestly, just, I don't know. It's a short week. They've got to clean it up. They play Thursday night against Pittsburgh. It's a big game. It's a divisional game. And we're going to preview it here in just a second. With a recap. A week two. International Football League. It's time. It's time to recap week two of the National Football League right here on all Andy Alfred. Whoop! Weaving in with Thursday Night Football, the first game with Kirk Kerstreet and Al Michaels as they took place in Arrowhead as it was Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes took on I'm the future of this, of this division. Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Chargers made somewhat of a good effort. But it was too much. Patrick Mahomes are in the football. 27-24 win. Whoop! We then head to Sunday slate. And we start first and foremost with the mistakes on the lake. And they made a huge mistake. Letting the Jets back into the football game, not giving them an opportunity, was a failure on the Browns' defensive and offensive side of the ball. As Nick Chubb having a breakout game was all slated to a minute 44 left in the fourth quarter as the Jets pull away with a big 31-30 win over the Cleveland Clowns. Woo, baby. We then head up to Ford Field where our Detroit Lions took on Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. And it was Jared Goff and Aiden Hutchinson making the statement saying that Detroit is not going to get pushed over. The Lions, a big 36-27 win. Woo-hoo. We then head down to the Dome. To see the, the Saints, the almighty Saints, take on Tom Brady. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Brady, for the first time in his career, gets the huge win. 20-10 over the New Orleans Saints. As the Bucks will be going marching down Bourbon Street with the win. Whoop! 
Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers headed up in the metal the Meadowlands to take on the New York football German Giants. And the Giants surprising everybody, including yours truly, with a big 19-16 win over Carolina. Whoop! It was then Mac Jones. And the New England Patriots, could they get their first win of the season and not start 0-2? A Belichick team 0-2? It couldn't be. And it wasn't meant to be. As with no Watt in the field, defensive field for the, for the Steelers, it was the Patriots rolling over the Steelers 17-14. Woo! Jacksonville is for real? Yes, they are, my friends, as Matt... Matty Ice, Matt Ryan is a mess in Indianapolis as the Jaguars shut out the Indianapolis Colts 24 to nothing. Woo! The game of the day, I think, in my opinion, took place at, in Baltimore as Lamar Jackson, I'm man, took on Tua Tyler and the Miami Dolphins. And after the collapse in Cleveland, it couldn't have gotten worse. It did! The Dolphins rally from 21 points down to beat the Baltimore Ravens 42 38. Tua! 30 for 50. 469 yards. Six touchdowns, two interceptions. QBR rating on 90.0. Woo! We then head across the country to the 4 o'clock games as it was Matthew Stafford and the defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams welcoming in Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. And the Rams finally find a way with a big 31-27 win over the Atlanta Falcons. Whoop! San Francisco is now without Trey Lance. Lance gets injured in their game this past Sunday as they took on Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And guess who comes marching home? Jimmy G comes running out of the field and leads the 49ers to a 27-7 win over Pete Carroll's Seahawks. Whoop! The game, of course, everybody's talking about was Joey B. The AFC champions headed on to Jerry World. I'm Jerry Jones. And the Dakless Dak Prescott Dallas Cowboys with Cooper Rush is your new quarterback. Cooper gets his first win at home. 20 to 17 as the Bengals are now 0-2 to start the season. Are they the for real Bengals? Or is this just a or are they just sputtering wheels? We'll find out this upcoming week. Oh, yeah. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos took on the Houston Texans. And the Broncos get their first win of the season. As it was Russell Wilson having a breakout game with a big 16-9 win over the Texas Houston Texans. Woo-hoo! 
the surprise, one of the other surprises of the day is what happened in Vegas. As it was, I'm the child, Kyle Murray. And the Arizona Cardinals took on, oh, sevens, 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 it's just win, baby. Las Vegas Raiders. And after the Raiders jumped out to a huge, a huge lead. The Cardinals rallied with 16 points in the fourth quarter to force overtime. And the Cardinals, on a Brandon Murphy fumble recovery, win 29-23 over the Raiders. Woo! We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC. The Chicago Bears and the Packers on my TV. It was all Aaron Rodgers in this game. Fields made it close in the beginning. I gotta give it credit on that. The Bears jumping out to an early seven-point lead, the seven-three at the end of the first quarter. But then Rodgers found the hallucinants, putting 21 points up on the board in the second quarter alone. As it was the Packers destroying the Bears and saying that I still own you, I still own you, Aaron Rodgers. With a 27-10 win. Then we head to last night. Monday Night Football. Two Monday Night Football games. As it was the Tennessee Titans, up, baby. Faces Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. The Bills destroy the Titans. 41-7. Woo! And the nightcap as Jalen Hurst. And the Philadelphia Eagles take on Cricky Cousins. And the Minnesota Vikings. And Minnesota sputtering as well as Hurts dominates the game. Rumbling, stumbling, stomping all over the Eagles, all over the Vikings. 24-7. And that is your recap of the games in Week 2 in the National Football League. We look ahead to week three as Thursday night, 8.15 on Prime Video. It's the one and one Pittsburgh Steelers in Cleveland to battle the Browns. I'm taking the Browns to get their first home win of the season. The Browns a four and a half point favorite in the game. I am taking Cleveland on Thursday night. So it will be interesting to see how it all shakes down going forward this upcoming week in the National Football League. Can the Browns finally get their way and to win a game? And can the Lions continue their momentum as they now head to Minnesota? We'll preview all of Week 3's games and recap the Browns game from this past Thursday on Friday's Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Elford. But until then, this is Andy Elford from Recapping week two and week two's games in the National Football League. As you are listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight as you are listening to all Andy Elford on the Anchor Network as you know, we recapped week two of the National Football League, but we are getting ready to head down the final stretch of baseball season. Yes, 
baseball is headed down the home stretch, and we've got some interesting developments happening in the world, in especially with the Guardians going on right now. The Guardians getting ready for a huge series this week as they are under a weather delay right now in Chicago on the south side as they're taking on the Chicago White Sox in a pivotal three-game series that starts tonight on the south, like I said, on the south side. And it's a big game for the Guardians because they're coming off of a five-game set with the Minnesota Twins and them taking at least, taking four out of the five games in the home series against Minnesota, extending their lead now as they won on Friday 4-3. Saturday, they had a doubleheader, winning both games of the doubleheader, 5-1 and 7-6. They fall in game four of the series to Minnesota, 3-0, but yesterday afternoon, a big 11-4 win over the Minnesota Twins. They play the White Sox tonight. The game's getting ready to start here at any moment now. As they are, it will be on the bump. On the bump tonight, it will be for the Guardians. It'll be class uh, cease on the bump for the White Sox. For the Guardians, it will be Serval uh, on the hill for them. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. As they're getting ready to start tonight's game. They'll play tomorrow, 8-10. It will be McKenzie, who's 10 and 11 with a 3.08 ERA. He'll face Lance Lynn, who's 7 and 5 with a 3.99 ERA. 8-10 start time for that one. On Thursday, it will be Shane Bieber, 11 and 8 with a 2.83 ERA. He'll take on Johnny Cueto, who's 7 and 8 with a 3.09 ERA. All games on NBC Sports Chicago, as well as Bally Sports Great Lakes. And after this series, they'll go to Texas. For three games against the Rangers, then three games against the Rays, and then five games, five games, excuse me, six games against the Kansas City Royals to end the regular season. So there's the Guardians for you. The Tigers are in Baltimore to take on the Orioles to end their season as, as they are up. They won tonight. Actually, the game has just gone final. They win tonight 3-2 over the Baltimore Orioles. Wins the win. He goes to 2-2 two two with a 3.13 ERA. Volt the loss. He goes to 5-3 with a 4.32 ERA. Soto the save. His 26th of the season. They shellacked the Orioles yesterday 11-0. They'll play the Orioles tomorrow for the concluding game of the series. will be Manning on the bump 2-2 two two with a 3.28 ERA. He'll take on Lyles, who is 10-11 the 4.70 ERA. Then they'll head to the south side of Chicago for a three-game series with the White Sox. Before then, they'll play. Then after that, they'll play three games at home against Kansas City, three games against Minnesota, and then they will end in Seattle for a four-game series, October's third, fourth, and fifth against the Seattle Mariners. The Reds, of course, headed to the bottom of the dwellers' swell, cellar. They had a good series against St. Louis this past weekend taking two of four from the Cardinals as they won on Sunday three to nothing. They played the they were off on Monday. They take on the Boston Red Sox in a quick two game series and they have just gone final two as the Boston Red Sox getting a five three win over the Cincinnati Reds. Bellow the win he goes to two and six with a four point seven five ERA. Load of the loss he goes to four and seven 
With a 3.90 ERA, Schwerber the save, his eighth of the season. Tomorrow on the bump for the concluding game of the series will be Seaboard, who's 0-2 with 11.91 ERA for the Red Sox. He'll take on Anderson, who's 1-3 with a 6.43 ERA. Game time for that one is 640. We just got word, too, that Aaron Judge has hit his 60th home run of the season. Judge has hit his 60th home run. He is one now away from Roger Maris's record. And it's going to be a big moment when he does get that record. It really is. Uh, Judge on his way to becoming probably one of the best home run and power hitters in the in the league. One of the best out there. So that's just coming across the wire right now is that Aaron Judge hitting his 60th home run of the season. He is now he is close to Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs this season. So there is that for you guys. So there is that for you. Uh, taking a look at the standings in the ma- in Major League Baseball right now for you guys. Uh, the Guardians are on the top spot at 80 and 67. The White Sox in second at 76 and 71. So these are big games for the tri- for the former Tribe now the Guardians. Minnesota 73 and 74, seven games out. Kansas City and Detroit both are out of the playoff hunt. Detroit is now at 57 and 91. They are winners of their last two. The wild card looks like this uh, for the American League is Houston holding the top spot, the Yankees in second, and the Guardians in third. The three wild card teams are Toronto, Seattle, and Tampa as of right now. In the National League, it's pretty much wrapped up. The Dodgers holding the top spot. The Mets and Mets are winners in the East, and the Central is run by the Cardinals. The three wild card teams: Atlanta, San Diego, and Philadelphia are the wild card teams. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Other news and notes around Major League Baseball, of course. Uh, looks like Albert Pujols is going to retire at the end of the season. He says, I am not chasing anything, so there's nothing for me to chase anymore. So he is looking like he's going to done. The Rangers turned their second triple play this season, which is surprising on aspects. Uh, looks like Miguel Cabrera is going to be returning from injured reserve, and he's going to make a start back up. Is the option Cody Clemens. Back to Toledo. Austin Meadows is coming back. Expected to return actually next season. And so there is that for you guys right there. Those are the news and notes around Major League Baseball. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the ice. Let's talk a little ice hockey. The Jackets are back, baby. So it's now time to take a look around the National Hockey League. And yes, the Prospect Tournament has concluded in Traverse City, Michigan. And of course, the Jackets coming out with a 2-1 record out of the whole Traverse City Tournament. Their big win against St. Louis last Thursday. 
They fell to the excuse me. They fell to the Detroit Red Wings by a score of five to two on Friday. They had a day off on Saturday, and then they played Toronto on the last day, beating the Leafs seven to two, going two and one in the prospect tournament. They are now they are now headed into camp, folks, and it is going to be a doozy of a camp. What we're hearing out of the first media day scrums. From John Davidson, as well as Jarmo Kekalainen, and also Brad Larson, the head coach. The report is coming out that it will be Line and Goudreau on the same line. It also looks like it's going to be Boone Jenner to be the starting off at center to lead off for this, this training camp session. But there's also a possibility that Cole Sillinger, as well as Jack Roslevic, could make the spot start at center. And this team is going to be really loaded. I, I, I like this team. I like where we're going to go with this team. Uh, I got to see what training camp is and see how everybody's going to uh, shape up. I really do. I like what I see out of the prospects. I think uh, a young a young Kent Johnson coming out after the performances that he had this last off, this last regular season, towards the end of the regular season, I think it's a strong, a strong possibility, very, very strong possibility, that he could be a second or maybe even a third liner for this hockey team. I'm looking forward to seeing how this young kid will do and see how he's going to perform in the, big, in the bright lights. So we'll see how that all shakes out. As of course, training camp begins on two, on Wednesday with training and concession and uh, uh, training and physicals. And then Thursday they'll be on the ice. They'll have practices on Thursday through fr- through Sunday. And then the first exhibition games are Sunday. There'll be a split squad game between Pittsburgh and. Columbus as both teams will play against one another. So there's that for you guys. The latest news from around Jacket Country. Of course, news and notes from around the NHL. Of course, Nathan McKinnon signing an eight-year, $100 million contract, averaging $12.8 million a season. Unbelievable. Uh, Of course, there's big... Big news, three players announced their retirement. Uh, Keith Yandel has announced his retirement, as well as Dano Chara. And the big one, of course, P.K. Subban announcing on Instagram and Twitter that he has retired from the National Hockey League. Three great players in the league, my apologies, that have, or that have announced their retirement for the National Hockey League. We're planning on doing a special edition of All EDL for this upcoming in the next few weeks to get you set for the NHL season. Of course, the ice is going in over at the Huntington Center as well. Uh, no new updates on the TJ Hensick's on the TJ Hensick waitlist, but hopefully we can get an answer with that pretty soon. But the ice is going in, like I mentioned, at the Huntington Center tonight. Today, the, the lines have been painted. The logos are being put on. We are so looking forward to the start of hockey season. As you're listening to All in ADL for tonight, 
right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. We're a little running a little late. We're going to scrap the golf segment, and now it's time for Andy Rance right here on the Anchor Network. That's all for all, Andy, all for tonight, of course. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show as much as I gave it to you tonight. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts two times a week right here on the Anchor Network. Uh, actually, I'll give you a little bit of, uh, we have just a little bit of time left. It's time for Andy Rance tonight. And, of course, the big one of the big stories I was talking about, of course, Jet, the uh Falcons with their huge win over Marshall this past week, of course. Uh, the Jackets are back in this week of things. We're going to give you full access coverage, uh, full coverage of the NHL this upcoming season. Looking forward to doing that. Um, there's a talk of it not us not going to Columbus all that much with us having the new house and everything like that. So we might not be catching a lot of Jacket games. We'll be doing a lot more walleye games this upcoming season. Also, you have the, uh, uh, we've got more of the football coverage for you right here as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how the season for the walleye and how big the season is going to be for the Jackets. A lot of people have a lot of high expectations. I, I do as well. So we'll see how that all shakes out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's going to be fun time going to be a fun time right here so if you haven't subscribed to the show subscribe tell your friends and again i want to say thank you to all of you that have nominated me for uh the city paper thank you thank you thank you for that we're waiting for the results to see if we're going to be on the ballot and if we're on the ballot then we'll tell you to go vote 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 because it's going to be fun uh to see if we can win win this thing um, yeah, that's all the time I have for you tonight on All Andy Elford. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. So until I talk to you on Friday, this is Andy Elford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. A game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams that, I, and to the teams that are behind me, and your teams as well. Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Friday for a Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. I love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.